From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A few weekends ago, the transplant surgeons at Upstate University Hospital were particularly busy. Four patients in the hospital chose to become organ donors, and from those four people, 12 lives were saved or enhanced through an organ transplant. Here to talk about that weekend is the Interim Chief of Transplant Services and Director of the Pancreas Program, Dr. Mark Loctavi. He's also a professor of surgery here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So how unusual is it for there to be more than one organ donation going on at the same time? Well, as you know, the transplant uh, business is unpredictable. So um, sometimes you have a couple donors in one day and sometimes you have none. So uh, we have always to be prepared. And uh, our program actually is well uh, prepared to do uh, multiple uh, organs at the same time. So during that weekend, indeed, we did uh, six transplants, which all went well. Six transplants with four patients. How did they, how did it all, over Saturday and Sunday, you had? Yes, over the weekends and Monday morning. And we had also some import uh, organs from other places that came to us. Wow. As we say, when it's raining, it's pouring, right? So. <laughs> Sounds like it. So how many surgeons and nurses and staff, how many people were involved in all of this? Well, we are um, having uh, three surgeons, and we hired a new surgeon. We will be four surgeons uh, soon, uh, by end of this month. Uh, we have about 30 uh, staff and uh, uh, physicians that work at the transplant program. So pretty much all hands on deck that particular weekend? I know, weekend. yes. Everybody was uh, called to, uh, to participate. <laughs> well, while respecting the privacy of these patients, what, what can you tell us about each one? Like what? Um... Well, uh, as you know, there are different kind of patients, but certainly uh, sometimes it's sad to see a life is ended, but also at the same time another life is uh, started. And uh, many of these patients got a second life, to live uh, happily with their family. They were uh, mothers of the family, uh, children and uh, father. And uh, it's really impressive to see that uh, these people go back to their normal life, they go back to their family, and uh, can be uh, productive for their society and for their friends and family too. Did all of the organs that were donated by the four Local patients, did they stay in Syracuse or did they go other? No, uh, uh, some of them stayed here because, you know, based of the UNUS allocation system, we allocate organs differently, yes. United United Nation Network uh, network of organ sharing, UNUS, yes. Uh, This is, uh, uh, you know, global and national programs that uh, manage allocation of the organs and uh, those who are at need the most. Uh, they get priority. And in the new allocation system, indeed, the children uh, have been given the priority for transplant. And here at Upstate, I know we do um, kidney transplants and pancreas transplants, but we would not, for instance, do a heart. We might recover a heart and and give it to another hospital, right? Correct. Okay. So can you walk me through what happens when there's a patient who has decided they'll be an organ donor um, and, and they want to heart, let you take whichever organs can be put to good use. Absolutely. As you know, uh, when the person dies, uh, they don't need that organ. And uh, normally uh, this organ can be used for uh, another person here. 
uh, there was sometimes uh, a misconception that uh, these people, when they sign off to donate, uh, they may. Some patients told me that they may let them go just to take their organ. This is absolutely wrong. Uh, normally, the brain that is uh, declared by neurosurgeon and by the ICU people and the transplant program are not involved. So uh, all effort will be done to save the patients regardless if they are donor or not. But when there is uh, no way that we can save them and uh, it's almost certain that these people are going to die, then uh, the OPO will get involved, not even the transplant uh, program. So uh, the organ procurement organization uh, here is Finger Lakes. They go and approach the family and talk to them, and uh, and they will get their consent. Um, I think the society as a wall, and you know, if one break is not good, then the whole wall is not stable. So we have to feel that if there is a sick people out there, they they live in in our society and they are a burden to the society. And by saving them, we actually save ourselves and save our society to be a better society and a stronger society. Um, a lot of crimes and a lot of you know uh, unhappiness that we feel um, sometimes occurs. It's certainly related to we have unhealthy people there uh, that need our help and one of that is uh, transplant. Uh, certainly a sick father or a mother will have a huge impact on the family for uh, you know they cannot raise their children well sure. and those children may be getting in the street and have a different life than when you have a good father and a good mother there to you know educate them mentor them and when you go into Dallas, for example, three times a week and you're sick and you come home and you, you, your pressure is low and you cannot even talk to somebody whole day. So these people will miss a big portion of, you know, mentoring and uh, raising their children the way they like. So it's a lot of impact on our society by donation. And I think no one should hesitate when it comes to donate organs. Um, well, once once consent is given and you have that, right? Does the surgeon begin harvesting the organs while someone else is finding a, a, an appropriate match for them? Right. Matching is not important these days. I said it before, and uh, indeed, with the new knowledge of immunology and the new medication we have, mm -hmm. uh, the matching uh, issue has been paled. Uh, we mostly, uh, when the consent is taken then we start allocating the organs and we try to allocate as much as organ as we can including heart lung cornea uh, even tendons uh, bones uh, these days we can take a lot of things for for a transplant and um, then different center may be contacted and different teams uh, come to do the procurement the heart team the lung team the liver the kidney pancreas and so forth so uh, after coordinating all this effort together, then we set a time. And they say, for example, the procurement will occur at 10 p.m. Uh, unfortunately, most of this procurement happened in the middle of the night because our OR are more ready at that time and less uh -huh. busy. Uh, um, then we uh, come here and each uh, team will dissect and uh, procure their own organs. Uh, 
and then they have to rush to their own center to uh, implant the organs. Okay, interesting. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Mark Loftavi, Professor of Surgery and the Interim Chief of Transplant Services. Now, Upstate is known for its um, kidney transplant program, but I wanted to also ask you about the pancreas transplant program. What are we offering with pancreas transplants these days? Well, uh, the pancreas tra- uh, transplant program at Upstate established uh, in, uh, I think, uh, July 2016. Uh, and uh, since then, we have done uh, good numbers of pancreas transplant. The thing that we are very proud of is that we have 100% patient and graft survival at one year, which the national average is about 80%. So we are one of the best uh, outcome in the country. Uh, that's mostly done for diabetic patients. And, you know, as diabetes is a... A devastating disease uh, is number one for blindness, number one for kidney failure, uh, number one for cardiovascular problems, and therefore uh, uh, saving patients from the prison of diabetes uh, is is enormous uh, impact on their health. So uh, all diabetics have to think uh, of pancreatic transplant. Uh, we offer it to type one and. Uh, other kind of type 2 diabetes also can be benefit from uh, pancreas uh, transplant. Um, Do you ever see a patient who needs both a pancreas and a kidney? Yes, and we have actually uh, a good number of our patients that they require also kidney and pancreas. As I said, diabetes is number one cause of kidney failure. Thus, uh, about 30% of our waiting list for kidney are diabetic and uh, some of them are eligible for pancreas transplant. So we offer both kidney, combined kidney and pancreas transplant at the same time. Would they come from the same donor then? Yes. Okay. But also there are uh, other type that we offer that uh, in patients that they already have a, tra- a kidney transplant, uh, they can be also receiving pancreas after that from a different uh, donor. Also, there are diabetic that they have a good kidney function they also can be a candidate for pancreas transplant alone. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, I know uh, the idea of living donor transplants is growing in the field for kidneys, right? Right. Um, are we seeing more of those being done at Upstate? It's slightly improving, I think, in our program, but we like to see it better. Um, there is not enough organ, you know. There is a huge organ shortage around the country. Every year, about 6,700 people die in the United States while we're uh, waiting for an organ transplant. And therefore, I think uh, living donor is, uh, is the only solution uh, we have that we can increase the uh, kidney transplant and even liver transplant done from living donor. Uh, we cannot control deceased donor because it fluctuates. Right. As you see, well, sometimes you get six and sometimes you get nothing. And uh, But living donor can be scheduled. Normally, if you are healthy, uh, donation of one kidney to your friend or family should not compromise your general health. We have data from people who donated uh, 30, 40 years ago. And when we look at them, indeed, they did better than the general population because we don't check the general population for good health. Do you think we're um, ever going to see sort of a mechanical kidney or a mechanical pancreas? We've had the artificial heart, right? Right. There are uh, some research in this field, indeed, to uh, grow stem cells, and uh, we can 
have some of these stem cells to uh, secrete insulin, for example, or we can actually uh, build a kidney. But this is uh, just in the beginning and uh, probably will take our time till sure. we will have it in, uh, in a clinical use. Now, I noticed that you're involved in some clinical trials here at Upstate as well, um, having to do with rejection and immunosuppression. Correct. Can you uh, tell me about those? Yes, we established, uh, when I came to Syracuse, we established the uh, research component of the transplant, uh, which we are very active. Currently, we have four protocols uh, that uh, very cutting-edge uh, protocols that we conduct here at Upstate. Uh, one of the more interesting one is that, to, as you know, when we do transplant, we have to give the patient drugs called immunosuppression. And these are not uh, unharmful. So uh, there is harm of immunosuppression. Uh, here at the state, we're trying to bring a new strategy that actually eliminate completely the harm of the immunosuppression or uh, reduce it as much as possible uh, to prevent many difficulties that we have with the immunosuppression medication. So the immunosuppression still has to be given to help the body accept the organ, right? Correct. I think there is no way uh, that we can put an organ without giving them immunosuppression. And those immunosuppression has certainly improved tremendously from the old days, uh, but still uh, they have uh, their own side effects. And uh, sometimes these side effects are serious. Um, thanks God now we have many of them, then when we reach a very uh, severe side effects, we can switch from one to another one. But 15 years ago, we didn't. We have only one or two drugs. But regardless of this, uh, the harm of the immunosuppression nowadays is significant and uh, certainly reducing or eliminating completely those harms would benefit the patient in general and the outcome too. Well, that's very, very good to know. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. My guest has been transplant surgeon, Dr. Mark Laftavi. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.